we just finished watching episode two, Shadows Waiting. And before we even say anything, I need to ask you, James, you watched episode one of Wheel of Time. If I had nothing to do with us doing this podcast or suggesting watching Wheel of Time, you told me that you would probably go ahead and watch Wheel of Time because it looks vaguely interesting. Yeah. After watching episode one, would you have watched episode two? Yeah. Yeah? Of your own accord? I, especially, generally, when I watch a show, especially first episode ever, even if I'm, like, iffy on the pilot, I'll go to the second episode because generally they'll work things out if need be. And, yeah, especially after what I watched of today's episode, I'm in. Totally. I mean, I was wondering that, too. I was like, if Jane, if I had nothing to do with James watching this, first off, would you have continued? Obviously, yes. Second off, would you have binged it or would you have spaced it out? I don't binge things generally. If any, like, Nicole and I will sit down to watch something. We'll watch, let's say, A Witcher. That's 50 minutes long. And I'll be like, all right, that's enough of, of that. And then what we'll still be sitting down, we'll just watch 50 minutes more of different television. Right. And I I don't like just watching the same thing for a long period of time. Uh, there are some exceptions like a Tosh.0 because that's just like clips and it's easy digestible. Right. And I don't know. It's probably just Tosh.0 then <laughs> I, as of recently. Yeah, I've got my shows that um, that I prefer to binge and other shows that I do not prefer to binge. This, something like this, I would not binge it. Um, mm -hmm. It's heady as well. Yeah, there's a lot to take in. And that's that's what I fear, is that if somebody binges a show such as this, then there's a lot that's just they're just going to miss because mm -hmm. it's too much to remember no matter how much you're paying attention. It's a lot of information to take in. I binged Bob Ross and I'm like, holy shoot, man, I don't know how to draw a tree still. I just took in so many different kind of trees that I don't even know how to draw one. <laughs> you took in so much happiness that it just filled yeah. your brain. <laughs> I took in so much happiness that I wanted to still jump off a bridge. <laughs> With Bob Ross, hand in hand. <laughs> yeah. We got episode two, The Lake is Waiting. Not really. Shadows Waiting. <laughs> so we're, um, we got a couple new characters here. We got Uta Bredewitz. She's our director again. Uh, Dave Hill's name popped up in here. And I know Dave Hill from the Game of Thrones as a writer. I think he might have been a head writer or a producer of Game of Thrones. I wrote his name down here because I was supposed to look up a little bit more about him. I failed to do oh, so. <laughs> this isn't stand-up comedian Dave Hill? It is not. Um, okay. That's the first thing I thought, too. Is like, it's so cool that Dave Hill's involved in Game of Thrones. It's not him. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing I got wrong. Rafe Judkins. I told you that he was the producer of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is half right. He was the producer of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm. Makes a big difference. But nonetheless, he does have that experience of being the... Uh, ex I think he was the executive producer of that show. Um, he is also one of the writers of this episode, along with Celine Song from last time, Clarkson Twins from last time. But Rafe brought on a friend, uh, Amanda Kate Shannon for this. Ep I'm sorry, Amanda Kate Schumann for this episode. Uh, they worked together on Chuck when that was a show. So I guess it's how they know each other. But she's a writer on this episode, too. Now, 
a couple new actors. Oh boy. One of the first guys we see is Eamon Valda. He's one of the white cloaks. He's played by Abdul Salas. And I am a big Abdul Salas fan after watching this episode. <laughs> and then we've got Stuart Graham. He plays our uh, distinguished gray haired uh, white cloak that we see a little later on in the episode. Both of these guys, I looked up their IMDBs and nothing that they did really rang a bell. I couldn't even pick out like a major character they've played in previous shows. Um, so as far as I know, I, I don't know much of these guys. Do you recognize anybody from the show? Any of these new guys? No, absolutely. I've recognized one person and that's only because they, you pointed it out to me. <laughs> you must recognize this person, James. You have to, that's exactly how I said it. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, we start out the show with those said white cloaks in their little village. Um, looks like a Salem witch trial. They're burning an Aes Sedai at the stake. Um, you see a nice close-up of Valda eating and some juice running down his chin. And you know when you see somebody eating and enjoying their food that much, they must be an evil guy. Um, I got some notes about that. First, you you passed over. There's a little kid with a cloche. Oh, yeah. Bringing we, him this. Yes. And he's like, he he removes it and he's like, have you ever tried this slug housed in a single throat full? Because he just like... <laughs> Eats this slug so hard, and I was—I didn't know like you. These are like spice lords who will eat hot wings and be like, "Oh, it's the hottest thing you've ever eaten." Oh, you don't like it? I guess you're just a pussy. And it's like, okay, calm down, sir. Right. Get out of here. That's the same thing with these slug things. You could easily pull out the spikes. Yeah. If oh. you want, if you're like, oh. These these dudes are vampires because they're saying like, oh, it's only made it. It tastes fine, but it's made better when your blood's infused with it. Just eat people. <laughs> That's what you're saying. I mean, he got those hands. He chopped off the Aes Sedai's hands. So obviously he's got some knives that he could chop that thing up a little bit. He could eat it like in, you know, 10 or 15 bites if he chose. That's what I would do mm-hmm. is I would savor it, not just shove the whole thing in there. But yeah. We're not him. I mean, he has his own set of values and we have our set of values, right? Yeah. And he was all like, ooh, the brutality and bloodshed for all is what makes it great. G.G. Allen. He literally (laughs) said that. He shouted out G.G. Allen. I remember that, too. I was like, that's a little bit of an anachronistic, but I'll take it. I like this guy. Uh, The White Cloaks, as you can see, they they hate Aes Sedai. They hate evil. They hate magic. Um... And it's kind of like they don't realize that the Aes Sedai could possibly maybe be good people. I don't know. You can, it's obvious that he's done this before because he's got like six rings on that belt of his. Um, and the first thing I wanted to go over was those chopped off hands. Um, so I'm going to steamroll you, James. <laughs> mm-hmm. The reason that he chopped off those hands is because these white cloak guys, in addition to not being that smart... They think that when Aes Sedai wave their hands around, that's how the magic happens. Mm-hmm. So that's why he chopped off her hands to make her not be able to do magic anymore. Um, whether or not that's true, uh, we don't know, but that is certainly what the White Cloaks believe. You got any other thoughts for this scene? No, just cl- when you see 
people dressed in all white in the middle of the forest, they're going to be weird in some manner. Either they're (laughs) isolated from the outside world, which makes them weird and have Mm -hmm. their own quirks because they just don't – there's no – sense or not weird just they they have their own way of living right that will be seen as weird to outside people when i play dungeons and dragons i've realized that all my characters i make them from a town isolated from the outside world because i i can just make them weird mm-hmm. and the dm can't be like well th- no one acts like that in this world and i'm like yes they do in this town that is away from the world <laughs> It reminds me of the two rivers in Wheel of Time. Like all of our characters lived in a town outside of everything else in the world. So they had their Mm -hmm. own little way of doing things. And when all these Trollocs busted in and busted their party, it was like, holy, the world's busting in on us now. And I guess Mm -hmm. our little town's over. (laughs) But yeah, I'm like, I don't like these people already Mm -mm. just based on them being dressed in white. And then... Mm -hmm. Clearly, when when someone's just burning a witch at the stake, yeah. you're like, ooh. I mean, I, uh, you know, war is war and there's death in war. But there's a difference between like a quick death and a burning at the stake. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he walks in the light. That's what this guy says. So I guess he must be a a good guy, right? <laughs> he was also, he's also a pedantic asshole later on. <clears throat> When someone says, may you walk with the light, and he says, the light's always with him. You don't need to wish that for him. And it's like, okay, it's pleasantries, okay? Okay, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, if I said to the Pope after he sneezes, bless you, and some... lowly peasant at the or not peasant but you know lowly on the rung at the vatican's like he's divined by god you don't need to bless him i'd smack that person in the mouth (laughs) he got the marshland monster blessing you can't get that from anybody but me yeah (laughs) i used to say after i'd say bless you and then there would be a beat and i'd say in the name of the beast and my friend's little brother Out of like, I wasn't there, but someone said, bless you. And then he whispered, he's, he was maybe like eight, nine years old. He went in the name of the beast. And then he's like, okay, no, 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 no. If mom hears that, she will, she will ask where you found that out from. Uh And then James will never be able to come over. Stop saying that. (laughs) Well, stop influencing little kids too. How about that, James? (laughs) It was the beast who influenced them, not me. (laughs) Well, we finally got to see our opening spread. And the reason we didn't see it in the first episode was because it wasn't there. I was mistaken okay. about that. So this is the first time we've seen this opening spread. And you may or may not know now that the Wheel of Time is in reference to a spinning wheel that will weave thread into a pattern, a pattern which is our life. So all of us are threads and they show those threads forming into the uh, the the women of the Aes Sedai. You see the seven clear colors, not all primary colors. We were talking primary colors last time, but there's some secondary colors in there too. Um, so yeah, basically that opening sequence is just to look cool and show us that the world is being weaved by the wheel. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts about that opening credit? I skipped it. Ah, well, yeah, there's not much to say. I mean, it's fun, but it doesn't have much to do with nothing. But you heard my explanation. 
I really had to use the bathroom this morning, and I was like, I need to make sure I can like get done with this in time to record. So yeah. next time I will watch it. This will not be an Evangelion-type <laughs> deal where, out of spite, I skip the intro. Everyone's like, it's the greatest opening credits ever. This song's amazing. Well, guess what? That show sucks, and... I just out of spot because the first episode I was like I just want to see what this is I'll skip the intro and I was like uh, th- why do people like this so then it just became a joke if the next thing would play I'd quickly be like oh no I gotta skip I'm in the other room I gotta skip yep <laughs> I think this opening credit uh, I believe was made by the same team that did the the Westworld opening credit which I I love the Westworld opening scenes and I would never fast forward past that. Um, did you, were you a Westworld watcher by any chance? Like back in the seventies. Yeah. That movie, (laughs) the newest ones, the newest TV show. Uh, No, Nicole started watching it and she's like, there's no reason for these dudes to these dudes and dudettes to be nude. This is just weird. (laughs) And then, uh, I, she's just stopped watching it. I think I I don't think she finished. I, I hear that. I mean, we won't go into it. That was that season one was just an amazing show that had a lot more to do than just nude people. It was pretty mind expanding. But here we're getting well, on. I wanted, it, exp- hmm? I wanted it pants expanding. <laughs> <laughs> At least a certain area of it. <laughs> yeah, the back area because I'm shitting my brains out because this show's great. This show being Wheel of Time is great. We're yeah. running from the Trollocs right now. Uh, we That's our first scene as our crew is running from the Trollocs through the woods. It's uh, dark. We see the Trollocs can easily cross a stream by Wait, foot. Wait, what? You see, you see a scene of them um, running across a stream in the daytime, and it's just like ankle deep. No big oh, deal. Oh, okay, okay. Um, but they're, you find out later that they're completely terrified of uh, open water, and you see why. Um, they get chased up to where they need a ferry to go across a, uh, a nice body of water there. So the Trollocs chase them up there. There's more in this scene than that, but I'm just kind of skipping ahead. Mm-hmm. One of the Trollocs falls in and we do not see him again. He drowns and it freaks the other Trollocs out. Obviously, this is something they've dealt with before because they're well aware of uh, deep water. So they're not going to cross it. Okay, so I had some comments on this. Yes. I don't know if you know this about me, but I was on swim team throughout my younger Ooh, years. Okay. This army needs me. I will teach the trollops how to swim. And they're gonna they're all of the people are gonna be like, ha ha, you can't get me. Then all of a sudden they're doing the breaststroke. Yeah. Mm-mm. I'm not showing them doggy paddle Mm-mm. or freestyle. Not with those bodies. Not with those they're gonna bodies. start backstroking. The it, the most pointless of all strokes. If 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 you're a child out there listening to this, stop. But if you are on swim team and someone says, "Hey, you want to know what you might be good at at, at at backstroke?" Push them in the pool. I don't care if they have their cell phone on them. No. Backstroke, I believe needs to be outlawed, especially for children. This could people are like, "Oh, CTE and little league football, it's bad." So is backstroke because you're backstroking, backstroking, you're slam your head right. at least once a week on the the cement yeah. Cool. Yeah. And it's it's no secret in our family that that exact same injury uh, happened to Heather 
when she was maybe 20, 21 years old, we were doing the exact same thing, swimming in the pool. She hit her head on that wall and she's got a permanent scar from it. So that's why it's oh. no secret because it's a visible reminder. <laughs> you want to know what? This is Casper Mattress is always, oh, we got to get into the podcasting. Get into the swim meet team uh, <laughs> field and start putting line the, just the top. They have those like somewhat squishy things, but that's only to hit. So the time right. stops. Uh, yeah, outline that with some memory foam mattresses, <laughs> and it it will it'll might crink your neck a little, but it's not going to concuss you. Okay, well they didn't. These Trollocs didn't have any memory foam mattresses. They didn't have any stripes. They didn't have floaties. And their bodies just simply do not work in the water. They they just sink straight to the bottom because they're they're monsters. I mean, they're some of them are part bull, some are part elephant, some are part hawk. They're just insane. So their bodies just cannot support water. So even with you there, you know, being the toughest swim coach in the world and doing everything oh, you can, I'm kind, bringing I'm them tender. orange slices and bringing all the trollocs, their little mm-hmm. uh, Capri Suns, they're still not going to be able to swim, man. I'm sorry. Just I'll get possible. them to doggy paddle. They'll be able to learn how to tread water. <sighs> they, they might not be able to swim long distances. It's not a marathon. This is or, a kind of long. They, they, the the ferry doesn't look that far away, but it's a pretty good distance. Um, it's it's not swimmable. If it was swimmable, then they then our six people would have just swam across it. They couldn't take their horses. I take that back. <laughs> All right. See, I'll teach the trollops how to swim, and it'll be great. <sighs> The dark one will promote me. So you would but hang I, out I with them, that. much like um, our buddy Padan Fane. We kind of suspect that he's like a Trolloc lover because he didn't seem too phased by all the murder in last episode. And then Wait, we who's got this. That? The, hmm? the, is that the merchant? The, yeah, that's right. The peddler. Okay. I should should keep saying the peddler. And then we have their these Trollocs leader. Um, the Fade or the Eyeless. Um, he's the guy that has that whistling song soundtrack and he's got that nice horse. Uh, I guess you'd be hanging out with those guys. See, that guy is a great leader, that that Fade, that Eyeless fella. And even he can't get these Trollocs to swim. So I'm not sure what kind of motivation you can offer that Wait, so, the Fade cannot. So, uh... Mm-hmm. Toothy Mouth yeah. isn't, he's not the dark one? No, no. Um, he's. That's the, one of my questions. Yeah, he's like the, he's like the captain or like the general of that squad. They all well, answer to him. He has too much going on. He needs to delegate with <laughs> other people, other lesser oh. commanders, okay. and one will be the swim coach. <laughs> Yeah, I guess you could like pick a couple of like his, uh, you know, his most apt trollocs that, mm-hmm. you know, might show a little bit of initiative and maybe. How are are trollops made? Are they bioengineered? That's another question. Um, because if, I mean, if there's no all... spoiler. I, mean, I don't think there's much spoiler in this. Yeah, they're bioengineered. They were made. Okay. Yes. Start bioengineering them with dolphins, <laughs> and then you, there you go. You you have a navy now. Oh man! Okay, that's a yeah, that's a fantastic point. Or a hippo, <laughs> because then you have like a strong buff guy, but also <laughs> hey, I can swim. Well, we don't have that. What we do have is we have uh, they make it to the other side. The ferryman is worried about his family. 
Um, he wants to go back and get his son. They don't want to take any chances. They be in a moraine and land because they're pretty much our people in charge here. So they destroy the fairy. The fairy man calls her a monster, basically calls her a monster because he's pissed off at that decision. Mm -hmm. Um, It's clear that there's real monsters on the other side of the lake and he is calling Moraine a monster. Well, because it kind of sucks that she did take his livelihood and, you know, smash it in the river, but he decided to jump in after it and drown too. Um, I don't know who the, he, (laughs) he decided Maybe they're going to have a nice little like sing along. The him and the Trollic who like just fell to the bottom. They'll be mm-hmm. under the sea down there, hanging hanging out together on the bottom. Hell yeah! <laughs> I did have one note when they were before this when it was still daytime out. Mm-hmm. The water ice guy comes up behind them, and she uh, the Isidai says, "How much time?" And I wrote down, "We got a whole wheel full of time." <laughs> <laughs> I, that's what I was hoping you'd say. A wheel full. <laughs> but um, all right. So next up, we got. Uh, they're all wondering if they should trust each other during these like horse scenes. You notice that there's um there's six of them, or four from the group, and mm-hmm. then we have you know Moraine and Lan. Whenever you see an overhead shot, you're only seeing five riders. And then when you see them in a group, you're seeing six riders. And, you know, on IMDb, it says it's like a film mistake. It's not a film mistake because Lan is always either ahead of them or behind them. He's always scouting the area so the five of them can move around and do what Mm -hmm. they have to do. So that's why you only see five horses overhead. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. So, um, I think the next scene, they're taking a break, just like you said, and, uh, Moraine is healing the horses, which of course is something you have to do. You can't just ride your horse all day. I mean, not everybody can heal their horse with magic, but you do have to take special care of your, uh, your transportation. Um, our, <clears throat> excuse me, our two river folks are, uh, kind of disagreeing a little bit about things they're uh, talking about they give us more information about the dragon here uh the dragon can either break the world or he can save it that's what they say matt speculates maybe the dragon has wings um a lot of speculation it seems like matt's kind of like our truth teller of the group he's kind of like our guy that kind of lays it out for us and you know doesn't doesn't see the bullshit uh any thoughts there uh, one of them was like, uh, they they say, forget what you heard about the dragon, but that immediately made me say, fuck what you heard about the dragon, he's dating Reggie. Oh, it's a reference to a Gravy Train song. Have you, have you ever heard Gravy Train? <laughs> just the uh, Just the commercials from the 80s, that's all. Okay, it's not the dog food. <laughs> we once went to, it's Hunks and His Punks is one of the members, uh, Hunks from that punk rock band, Hunks and His Punks. Uh And we went to one of his concerts. Best concert I've ever been to was that Hunks and His Punks show. And my friend, MC Deep, gave him a gravy train uh, thing of dog food to sign. And he was like, yeah, I'll sign this. This is stupid (laughs) and fun. Hell yeah. But check out Gravy Train and Hunks and His Punks. Very good. Right on. Say hello to Heather. She's home now. Hi, Heather. Howdy. Hello. And James says hi, but you can't hear him. <laughs> she said hi Turn back. it up real loud in your headphones. 
You're I'll already as loud as so you can go. Loud. <laughs> All right, so sitting around, we learned. Um, no, I'm sorry, not sitting around. We're going back a little second. Uh, this next scene, we have everybody sleeping. It's nighttime. Um, Moraine comes to wake up Egwene to have some talks with her. Um, I call this next section Power in Dreams. Uh, she talks to Egwene about the three rules of the Aes Sedai. The Aes Sedai cannot speak a word that is not true. They cannot kill anyone except in defense. And they cannot make a weapon which will kill anybody else. Um, any thoughts before I go on, James? Uh, yeah, she's got warder hands now. <laughs> you want to expand on that thought? <laughs> uh, so whenever they say warder, mm-hmm. it just sounds like they're saying water in a Philly <laughs> accent. So yes. every time I hear that, I say water ice, water ice. I can see that. <laughs> I, and it makes me want to start watching Double Dare again. Again with the Double Dare, okay. It I associate filmed you with Philly. Double Dare so hard. <laughs> it was filmed in Philly, so in the <laughs> early days before it beca- became popular nationwide, all the children had the thickest Philly accents. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we find out Egwene listening to the wind is kind of equal to the one power, which is what uh, Moraine is using. So we're looking at a stone with Egwene and Moraine, and some of the stuff Moraine says here sounds very familiar. It's almost as if she's been watching Egwene longer than we realize, because she's telling Egwene to imagine herself drifting and floating in a river and being calm, and we just saw that last episode. That was before Moraine showed up. Um, And Egwene does. She does have a little bit of power inside her, as we hear. Um... They finish a little little hangout sesh, uh, go back to Rand, or Egwene tries to go back to Rand to like have a little cuddle. He's not having it. He just wants to be by himself. So she has to go hang out with a spooky Perrin. Um, very dark, staring at the fire. We hear wolves in the background, and we see that he is hiding a significant wound. Any thoughts? I didn't notice that. Yeah, okay. He had like a gigantic bite mark or scratch marks on his uh, bottom leg. Oh. And uh, as soon as he heard Egwene come up, he quickly hid them. Oh, okay. And uh, as he was doing all this, you can hear a bunch of wolves howling in the background and you see like the fire flickering around his face. And it's a, I don't know, looks like a lot of uh, foreshadowing to me. Is he going to become a Trollic? Seems like it. I don't know. I mean... <laughs> I mean, trollop. <laughs> All it takes is one scratch from a trollop, and then you are a trollop as well. <laughs> Uh-oh. It's werewolf rules. <laughs> yeah. So everybody's having weird dreams, especially Rand. Um, he's in this this spooky, echoey corridor, um, wakes up and pukes out a giant bat, and then dreams of a, or didn't dream of, I don't know, he sees this guy with eyes like right in front of him in the woods, and when he wakes up, there's that bat that came out of his gut. And we find out that uh, Matt and Perrin had the same dreams that he did of the same guy. And Moraine, you know, begs them to let them know about her dreams because dreams hold a lot of power. And I, Rand w- yells at her. Yes. I was so confused by this because I was like, did I miss something? Because all of a sudden he's somewhere and he's pu- and I was like, this has to be a dream. And luckily it was. And mm-hmm. it was a disgusting scene. 
Very, yeah. Uh, and it was even more disgusting when he woke up and it was right there. So that's got to be a big shock to his system. But I thought I could have swore the thing he pulled out of his mouth mm-hmm. was like a gerbil. Oh, it was, was a, that a it, bat? It was, it was a bat. It, like you could see the wings. You could see like okay. the, the scaling of the wing. I mean, it was clearly a bat like when it okay. came out. And of course, that's all they're talking about. Matt's talking about um, that they're Rand next- is mm-hmm. in this like Rand has become a completely different character. Yeah, it's from episode one to episode two. We could have used an episode 1.5 for a little character mm-hmm. building there, right? <laughs> yeah, because he's just like a little whiny fuck boy who's thinking, oh, you, you're the one doing this mm-hmm. to all of us. Why should we follow you, this and that? But it from the first, he was so like, I am here for this woman. Right. And now he's like, I want to go back home. <laughs> I can't disagree with you at all. <laughs> um, a couple things I want to point out, though, is, yeah, Rand yells at her. Um, Matt's kind of like our truth teller here. He kind of lays it out like, hey, she can shoot fireballs, so we should probably stick with her. Rand's like, I guess so. Um, she, Egwene, while she's yelling, she this is another thing that might have you might have missed, but I'm paying a Perrin's is one of my favorite book characters, so I pay very close attention to any Perrin scene. Um, she says, monsters killed Nynaeve and Layla, and then we cut over to Perrin, and he kind of has like a, mm. so we don't know if maybe mm. she's calling Perrin a monster, or if he's just trying to, like, we, we saw him kill Layla. So, I, but they don't know that, right? Nobody knows that. Nobody knows okay. he's injured. Nobody knows it was him that killed her at this point because he hasn't said crap. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of seems like he's in a dazed state of shock, which I can't blame him. Yeah, they should, all should be this way. <laughs> there is one line before they start talking amongst the four of themselves. Rand says, "Where are we going?" And the Aes Sedai just says east and i'm like hell yeah that's a great parent <laughs> maneuver I'm like that's that's all you need to know and well, then he's like but shut then up, though, didn't it, didn't it yeah. shut him oh, up no no because then he's like but then where are we going and then oh, she's right. like we're going here okay then and then she's like and then we're the final destination is this okay White tower yes and yeah matt seems like he's okay with us all too he's like she can protect us from the trollocs so this is where we should be and that's kind of Egwene's point of view as well. Except Egwene, you can tell she kind of is, you know, maybe has more of a bond with her than anybody else. Besides Lan, of course. Mm-hmm. Lan is always quick to jump by her side and you see him like eyeballing Rand a lot. Like, am I going to have to deal with you later? Um, so there's a little tension there. Did you like the little, uh, it's, it sounded like we were going to hear like a Nirvana song in between this next cut. So I, I truly, I wrote that down and Nicole had the same exact thoughts, which is you rarely hear an electric guitar mm-hmm. in a fantasy score. And guess who loved it? Me. Same. <laughs> it sounded which, great. I, there has to be. Has a movie ever been, a fantasy movie in particular, been scored with dungeon synth? Ooh, probably not. I mean, I guess the closest we got is... um. A Knight's Tale, which is like scored with rock music. But yeah, Dungeon Synth, that's an original idea that we should cut out of this episode so you can get working on it. 
on this movie's gay, we kept demanding because directors would and people who produced movies would listen to that show because we did that we would usually talk about their movies and we just kept screaming someone make a queer sword and sorcery movie because we want to watch one yeah and that's coming to fruition now i mean we just had like bridgerton and a bunch of other shows that like feature you know lbgbtq lettered characters (laughs) no i'm saying bridgerton's not sword and sorcery I don't. I've never seen it, so I don't know. I just ask about what no, I've heard. No, that's like that's like Victorian high class, like fancy people. I'm saying, uh, like a warlock is trying to destroy the earth, and one hero must rise to the cause. Right. Gotcha. Well, we're watching a fantasy series right now, so let's keep watching and see what happens in the future with that. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take a quick break, James. This will be a very Alrighty. quick break, and we're going to come right back. Okay. We saw our white cloak friends again. Moraine and Lan came upon them in the forest and Moraine has to kind of settle everybody, settle our two rivers for to, uh, because they're unfamiliar with these white cloaks. This is a, this is a new thing to them. Um, but Moraine has obviously dealt Hol- with them before being Holy an eye should die. Is she, yes, what? Uh, is she tech? I think she might be, th- this is, it's a foreshadowing, I think, because I'll, I'll you want to know what? after you say all th- this last scene, then I'll <laughs> say what the foreshadowing uh-huh. is. OK, cool. Um, yeah. So she tells all them, um, you know, we need a story, but we cannot lie. Um, tell the truth as much as you can. So the gray haired fella, we know him as uh, Geofram Bornhold. He seems like a pretty polite, well-spoken guy, but he's kind of uh, overrun by our friend Valda, the High Questioner. Um, any fan of Introvoid might recognize the song name The High Questioner because it's a song I wrote for this fella, Valda. I love him so much, I wanted to immortalize him in music. Um, you notice he has a different armband mm-hmm. than the other guys. Um, he's a pretty handsy fellow with Moraine, <laughs> and Lan does not like, like that. Um, all the facts she's given them are um, kind of half-truth. She's like, they're like, where did you come from? She says, we came from Terran Ferry, which is true. They did just come from Terran Ferry, but she skips to mention that they actually came from two rivers before that. Um, I'm going to pause for a second to give our boy James some time here. What's up? The, he says, hey, where I'm from, men keep their hands to themselves unless they want them cut off, which would have been dope. I mean, it would have been an act of battle and mm. would have had a role for initiative, but <laughs> slice, that would have been cool. And it would have been good comeuppance for that fellow as well, huh? Mm-hmm. I, I really like that th- I, their armbands are fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whoever designed those, pat yourself on the back, and I hope you at least got a Grammy nom. Not Grammy. You want to know what? Yeah. They can clink along. Get a Grammy for that. Get an audio Grammy for that, and then get a, uh, I guess you would get, not an Emmy. What do you call those other ones? The Oscars. No, this would be Emmy. Okay. Well, it's a TV, TV show. show. I don't know. They get a Tony for this one. Who knows? <laughs> With their circular <laughs> saws on their armbands. Um we get a lot of information from this scene. Um, 
first off, Moraine tells everybody to listen carefully for truths. Um, tell the difference between the truth and a lie. We, uh, Bornhold recommends when he sees that wound that Moraine has been hiding that she got from the Trolloc. That was when she got, you know, speared by that javelin in the battle. Mm -hmm. And nobody knew she had that wound except for land. And we're just finding out ourselves now that she and Perrin are both pretty bad injured, but they're still getting around somehow. Uh, They split up three different ways. Um, Bornhold is part of the battle uh, white cloaks. So he's going where there's going to be battle. He went West to the borderlands. Mm-hmm. A higher purpose is calling Valda to go South. We don't know what that higher purpose is, but he takes a few dudes and goes that way. And then our crew is heading over to white bridge right now to go find one of Moraine's quote unquote sisters. Um, so throughout this show, You know now that Moraine cannot lie. Um, She can get around the truth, but every word that you actually hear her say will be a true statement. So it's something to look out for in the future. It's something to look out for when you're reading the books. Every word in Aes Sedai says. Yes. This is the foreshadowing. Okay. I'm, I'm glad I I'm glad we're <laughs> talking about a pot like we're discussing this show. Okay. I she says well saying hey this will be our story. She says I'm from a fallen house, which makes me think that she might have been ousted from the Aes Sedai or is in uh on rocky roads with them for some reason or another. Maybe she's not down for just killing random dudes. And that might have gotten her like, oh, well, I need to find this dragon to help unify even the people within the place I call home. Yeah, I'm holding my head because I can't believe that that you caught that. That was the sneakiest catch. And I wasn't even going to bring it up because it was so sneaky. So congratulations and keep paying attention to Moraine's words and anybody who's an Aes Sedai. Fantastic, man. <laughs> Kudos. <Hell> yes. <laughs> Something I failed to mention about that scene was the gray-haired gentleman, um, Bornhold, suggested to Moraine that she go find an Aes Sedai to get her wound healed, um, which is kind of like the exact opposite advice that you would expect. But he recognized that only an Aes Sedai could like heal that wound that mm-hmm. she has. So, yeah, we, I forgot to mention that last time. Yeah, so those guys don't hate all women. They just hate the women in power. <laughs> they do hate the women in power, but I do not like the way he had his hands all over Moraine. I'm mm-hmm. surprised Lan uh, was as reserved as he was about that. <laughs> it also, she discusses it a little bit later in the episode, but her seeing, like, oh, these people have murdered my sisters it is... Right. It, her restraint there, yes. obviously, be, because she can't get angry. She she needs to be reserved in order to survive and keep the five other people with her alive. Uh, kudos to her. You rarely will see her or any other Aes Sedai like lose their cool, so to speak. That's like supposed to be one of their dominant traits is that they're um, calm and reserved in all situations. And we find so, out what happens when they don't. 
Yeah, you don't want to find out. Well, we do find out because she mm-hmm. starts talking about it this very next scene. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they're um, riding off and she reminds Egwene that, you know, we, that everything I said was true, that um, it just may not be the truth that you think you hear, but everything I said to those men were true. Uh, we're riding through some ruins here and we're hearing some cool music and then Matt's so enamored by the music that he decides to sing a song too. Um, they do like the classic, you know, the music in this show and the song they sing here is like classic metal in my opinion, where it's all minor chords. It's generally half steps and, you know, kind of mournful in a way. Uh, that's the song they sing here. Uh, any uh, thoughts before I go into this? No, I, I just have a lot of thoughts when you do get into it. <laughs> okay. This is a Steve kind of scene where someone starts talking and then they tell a story. Uh, that's the kind of, that's all I need for this Wheel of Time show. They could have just filmed it with people riding on horses and sitting around tables and just talking. I would have been completely happy with that show. Mm-hmm. She tells a story of uh, Manetherin, which is the song they just sang about, and they don't even realize what they're singing. To them, it's just a song, whatever. But she's like, yeah, that song's about Manetherin. That's where you guys are from, that Manetherin became the two rivers. Uh, King Amon uh, asked for help. Uh, help did not come. Um, they had evil forces upon them. Sounds kind of familiar when they say like a whole bunch of evil forces were overtaken Manetherin, just like we saw a bunch of evil forces taken over two rivers. Mm-hmm. Um, finally, Queen Eldreen came to aid and she just smoked the whole show up. But in doing so, she burnt herself out. So this is like a word of warning about using the one power in these women. They've, you can harness a lot of power, but if you harness too much, you can just burn yourself right out. Uh, as we're talking, uh, as she's telling the story, they're like zooming in a little bit on Matt's face. And like, it reminds me of like, a little kid who will like tell their parents like a joke or something, just kind of like, Oh, I'm singing a song. Oh, I'm doing something. And then it turns into like a 10 minute lecture <laughs> afterwards. Yeah. And Matt's like, God damn it. I wish I'd never even opened my mouth. Now I've got to listen to her talk about Manetherin. So <laughs> I have, uh, this is one of my questions for today. Okay. Uh, is the wheel of time. Does that start where we started the TV show? Like does the book series where does, does that the make sense? books where does the book series start? Right where we are. Okay, that, um, with, that was my question. Kids. So mm-hmm. do we ever like a uh, Cimmerillion style, do we ever get stories that d- in detail flesh out like this war, like the the past Trollop war? Oh yes, of course. Oh okay. Hell yeah. yes. Cuz <laughs> this whole thing I'm like, yeah, this could have been a movie. You mean like the scene that she's describing? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um. <laughs> but yeah, I would, just them describing this, it's 13 days and still no help. And the right. fact that this ruler comes and she like knows her husband has died. And that's when she just goes all ham. I do think she shouldn't have gone full ham because some of that rage should have been directed towards the many 
in quotes, allies that they helped out yeah. and said like, hey, we helped you out before, come to us. And they're like, yeah, we'll get you some soldiers in three days. And they just, at the 10th day, realized, oh, we're, <laughs> or the ninth day maybe, oh, nothing's coming. Yeah, I hope those other cities, which I think was one of them where they end up, they, she should have went around and burnt some of those leaders up a little yeah. bit and then died. Or maybe like burn up their asses just to like, you know, give them. <laughs> no, 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 no. If an entire town, your like your uh, entire ruly, like, true. hey, I rule over this entire area. They all died because of the gross negligence of of multiple in quotes allies. Fuck them. Someone deserves to die there. Agreed. Yep. They all kept living. Ugh. And then who's left? These two river kids. Those are these kids that we're seeing now and those townspeople that we saw. Mm -hmm. Like I mentioned that they were, you know, they took up arms eventually and started fighting. Natural born fighters, man. These two rivers people can do their thing. All right, so we're uh, we're still traveling on horses. We end up, they're talking about Shadar Logoth. Uh, Moraine's like, nah, we're not going there. Egwene and Rand have some more arguments. Uh, they're communicating halfway well. Um, one of the themes... One of the themes of the book is miscommunication and how people do not communicate well. But we're seeing people communicating pretty well at this point. Um, mm -hmm. they're, she just don't, she just wants them, wants Rand not to hate her. That's that simple. And Rand's like, yeah, okay, I can do that. Um, everybody on this quest has their jobs. Um, they're collecting firewood. We got Perrin out here filling up the water bottles. Every time we see Perrin, we hear wolves howling in the background. And in fact, we see some wolves hanging out with Perrin. One of them can, comes can up I, and starts licking his wounds. And yes, you can, I, James. I wanted, before you said that, I wanted to, he pulls up his thing to show the, the scratch marks he has. Yes. And the wolves look at him. And this is what I wrote down at this point. <laughs> okay. I said, the wolves smell your open scabs. They love eating them. And then that's exactly what happens. Yes. And I'm like, I wrote this down for a joke. And Nicole was like, excuse me? I was like, this is what I wrote down before that happened. And she's like, oh, gross. You got to text me that too. So, well, I got, I'm going to hear it and edit too. So I like that line. That's going to be a line of a, uh, that's going to be a lyric. <laughs> I look <laughs> I looked this up and the reason that, um, that dogs will do this is it helps prevent bacteria from growing. It mm -hmm. helps clean the wound. So this, these wolves are helping Perrin out. Uh, we're hanging out. He's about to become one of them. I see. It sure as hell seems like it. Um, we're back at the campfire. Uh, they're settling down for some sleep. Uh, and they're caught. Toothy grins back. They got to run off into the woods. If I was a Trolloc, this is exactly what I would envision Trolloc, a Trolloc being. Chasing people through the woods in the dark, running, howling. If there was like a commercial for Trollocs to like get them to like be, you know, Recruit. enlisted, this is it. I wrote down, it was all a scream because I thought, oh, this is a dream. But then dude wakes up the warder and he's like, uh, no, this is real. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we need to leave. <laughs> yeah, I, the goblins and troll too love running through the woods. 
it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's terrible fun, especially if you're an animal and you have like a better sense of like your surroundings and what can hit you and what cannot. They got to be having a ball out there. I grew up around swamp and marshlands and same. The, I lost so many shoes. Just I lost so many singular <laughs> yes. shoes in the the marshlands. I remember my friend. Oh man, this is something. My friend Austin Lawton had like these like brand new shoes, and mm. was like, "Hey, he suggested like, hey, let's go out in the woods and like walk around." Of course, he steps down like way back in the woods and just plop and just covered in the thickest of mud. And he's like, Oh fuck. And I think he blamed me somewhat for it. I'm of like, that's not on me, man. You wore brand new shoes into the woods. Also you're, he, this was also a man who, or boy and still does to this day. Like, Oh, I work on cars. I'm, I'm like a man's man. Why you, why you got nice shoes on then dude? <laughs> You need some old shit kickers for real. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I guess he just wants to, you know, extend his anger outwards. He can't yeah. blame himself. He can't blame nature because what's the point of mm -hmm. that? You're right there. You're a perfect target. <laughs> Man, if I didn't, if Muskegon didn't have just a gray cloud of depression over it from, you know, <laughs> the most I've ever been depressed has been in that town for 24 years, mm. I would enjoy it because... They're like if it's in the Lord of the Rings or this Wheel of Time show, there was a friend's house, which now that friend's house has bad energy around it because there was a, a murder homicide after he moved there. Mm -hmm. But behind that, there was this like stream brook out in the woods that like covered in moss all this beautiful stuff but there was this this huge tree fell over it so you could perfectly sit on it and ah. just hear the stream all day it muskegon has its good points but as right. i've said before it's just the scenery and it drives <laughs> you to drugs <laughs> I hear you. Yeah, because when you want to get some energy out and when you want to like actually do something besides meditate, you want to get some like real energy out, there's mm -hmm. nowhere to channel that energy. So yeah, you get in trouble. Hell yeah. Yeah, or <laughs> you're like my brother who's like, I don't want to get in trouble today, so I'm just going to take this uh, catalog purchase katana into the woods and just <laughs> swipe at trees for three hours. I think I knew your brother. <laughs> <laughs> You've for sure known people like him. Hell yeah. All right. Well, while James's brother is hacking at <laughs> the trees in the woods, the trollocs are running through. They end up at the foot of Shadar Logoth, the dark city. The horses don't want to go into it. The Trollocs don't want to go into it. Everybody's scared of it. I got to point out that Egwene does name her horse. She says, Bella. She's The horse is scared. Book readers are loving to hear this because Bella is everybody's favorite horse. It's actually Rand's horse, but Egwene is the one who ends up riding it. Uh, just did our heart well to see Bella. And I hope that wasn't Bella that we see later on in the episode that got... Something happening to it, but at my any rate, guess is yes. Uh, my guess is that was uh, who who pulled that thing that we'll get into. That was Matt, right? Who pulled that thing that we'll get? I don't, I don't follow. 
uh, from the box, the oh, yes. chocolate Matt. box. Yes, Matt. Uh, so I think that was his to like signify he might have this curse over him now. That's how I'm looking into things. Wait, you're jumping ahead of me, I think. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I am. Just <laughs> uh, I'm saying like, but because you jumped ahead. Okay, how did the, I jump ahead? The dead horse. Right. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I'm saying my thought was it's his because of this reason. Oh, dang. Yeah, that's, I really have no idea whose horse it is. I don't think we find out here, but yeah, good. Let's get to that point here. First, we, first they get into this place, Shadar Logoth, and uh, Lan uh, tells us a little bit about this city, that it's uh, this place ignored the outside world, evil consumed it. It used to be called Arend Hall. Now it's known as Shadar Logoth. Shadows waiting is the literal translation. Um, it seems like Matt's always our truth teller here. He's the one who's like, yeah, we, this is the most you probably said in your entire life. Uh, but Lan tells them basically don't touch anything. That's my first note is they were touching everything. They touched the Mm -hmm. door. They touched the floor. They touched the columns. How can they avoid touching anything? My guess is the the structures don't have that curse or like this evil to it it's the things people left behind that do i don't know that makes total sense i mean especially based on you know what happens later um yeah. but first before we get there we're just seeing how cool this city is totally cool can, can i comment on that yeah This is awesome. I'd love to see behind the scenes of what was real, like when do the buildings stop, what was actual set, because obviously some of it's digital workings, but what's up? I believe you have that. If you go to the... um this episode and go down to, epi- to extras and behind the oh. scenes. You can, oh, hell uh, yeah. I'm going to check that out. Yeah, please do check it out. We're going to be talking about those like later on, but for... Yeah, it was fantastic. And the scene where Egwene and Rand are holding hands and looking at the clouds, I mean, fantastic. That was one of one of my favorite moments. This city is so unrealistically <laughs> uh like the dense the population density is unrealistic, but like that's how things should be whereas the 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 buildings are so tightly packed and it's clearly mm. apartment buildings or you know residential areas which it's what the the what the after the GI bill stuff of World War 2 and the baby boomer stuff happened where it's like hey instead of just making all these ticky tacky hillside boxes that all look the same we should have just been making apartment buildings that look just the same and you know uh, uh, hindsight 2022 the homelessness <laughs> and all of that could have been solved because people wouldn't have been like i need this single plot of land to right. raise 3 people that's correct (laughs) all right so we got rand and Egwene buddying up we got matt and perrin buddying up um you can tell matt loves perrin he uh gives perrin this knife that uh layla made for him um they share a great moment together perrin lets him know that the girls are being looked out for uh, didn't have any other notes about that, did you? Not about that, but when Rand and Egwene 
Yes. When they were looking over the city, I was like, Rand, take claim of the city. Be its lordship. Revitalize. <laughs> repopulate it. Kind of like I haven't seen it yet, so don't uh, spoil anything. Uh-huh. Even though the internet seems to have spoiled the fun of it. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, when they go into that abandoned town and they're like, yeah, man, let's make this cool again. <laughs> I was like, I don't think it ever was, guys. There's there's a serial killer here. <laughs> there's a mass murderer is what we should... There's a maniac here. There's a maniac in this city, too. We find out. Uh, they all lay down and go to sleep. Uh, Matt wanders off at some point. He gets woken up, chases a shadow, finds this knife we're talking about. A very noisy knife. And... You're exactly right. We're not sure what woke the city up. It could be one of two things. It seems very likely that it's the knife Mm -hmm. that causes the city to wake up because like, you know, we're warned not to touch anything. Matt obviously touches this thing. Shit happens. Or it could just be their presence in the city and like they waited until everybody fell asleep. Yeah. But more than likely it was the knife because it was like the shadow led Matt directly to that knife. Um we see a horse disintegrate. Please don't be Bella. Please don't be Bella. And you my, were going to say something when we got to this point. Uh, my thoughts on the him pulling the knife. In a town that is completely covered in like grime and soot, <laughs> if you see anything where it's like, oh, the sword's covered in that same soot. But wow, glistening in the no light of darkness <laughs> is this ruby. Compl- <laughs> like, it looks like it was just shined. Yeah, I'm going to pick this up. Don't. Clearly, it's evil. Unless you're playing a video game, then yes, pick up that ruby because <laughs> that's what you're supposed Maybe. to do to get to the next level. <laughs> Maybe. If it's an emerald, yes, or a diamond, hey, that. but a ruby seems a little nefarious. I'm I'm gesturing to you like I am a politician with like a pen in his hand. Yes. And I apologize. <laughs> it is very Bill Clinton like actually with a the thumb there. <laughs> I don't really have much else to say about the end of the scene. It's a lot of action and running around where they're trying to get away from these shadows. Uh, because I don't have a lot to say about it. I'm going to take this opportunity to take one last break. When we come right. back, we're going to wrap up. Listen to one last song. We'll be right back, James. All right, we're back with some Wheel of Time. We're pretty much right at the end here. The um, They're escaping Shadar Logoth. Got some close calls. They're jumping in water. They're floating on logs. Most importantly, though, Lan and Moraine get found by one Nynaeve, it appears, with a knife Ooh. to their throat. Uh, so I'll pause right there because that's the end of our episode, literally. But mm-hmm. yeah, any thoughts, James? Love this. I'm glad she's back. Again, this is, again, you asked me, is she one of the main characters? And I was like, I didn't know what to say because I didn't want to say no. I didn't want to say yes. But, you know, she comes and goes. So this this is Nynaeve for you. I was positive she would be back in in every episode because she's, you know, on the title sequence, she's her name's listed. Right. So she has to. Yeah, she's third in the title sequence, correct. So, And I'm, I like that it's this and not, oh, we flash to her and she's in, like, imprisoned. Because that would have been dumb. <laughs> uh, I guess a couple notes I have here is uh, 
again with Matt with his, I'm just going to, this is going to be a Matt love fest, I guess. When Rand says we can't leave without them. And Matt says, well, I'm pretty sure we can where Mm -hmm. Rand takes things super literally. And Matt kind of sees the gray of things. And when he came to like hunch down beside Perrin, when he walks through a room, he just kind of has like a Matt swagger about them that, I mean, it just can't be topped. Do you love Matt as much as I do, or is it just me? I definitely like him probably tied for second out of the core four. So who's your number one? Nani, she's cool. And then Matt and other dude, and then Rand. (laughs) Uh, You want to know what? Uh, Even though they're tied for second, Rand's still fourth. (laughs) Well, wait, you said four, but including Nynaeve, that means there's five of them. Two... Two women, Wait, three oh, guys. Wait, oh, I meant I meant Egwene. Okay, so let's 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 back up then. Who's tell me your number one through your number five? Okay, at this so point. oh, at this point, well, I don't know Nani at all. So okay, uh, number five then by default. Yeah, you, no, 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 number four by default, or technically oh. number three. So it would be Egwene, the two dudes, <laughs> at number two. Number three is Nani, and then at number four's empty space, and then number five (laughs) is Rand. Might I suggest another podcast for you, James? There's a long-running podcast about the Wheel of Time called Everybody Hates Rand. And it's it's about exactly this. It's just a podcast where they hate Rand, and they've been doing it for years. Now, see, an d- entire show dedicated to hate, I'm not <laughs> down for. Yeah, That's why I couldn't goofy. listen much, yeah. Uh, you know, like, everybody hates Raymond, and then you do a Everybody Loves Raymond podcast. That's just a good turn of phrase. Right, yeah, I, I agree. That's, that's why I'm not a regular listener of that show, because I'm... I much more listen to people talk about what they love than listen to people talk about what they hate. <laughs> Unless they're like, oh man, I love to hate him. I wish, oh man, I wish I could fuck him hard. Like things like that. Again, this boy has come of age, so I don't know if I can say that or not. <laughs> well, I got, we have all of our notes here. I'm going to tell you my order. Like as of right now in this show, um, Matt, obviously, is my favorite. This is just based on the show. This is not based on the books because I've I've never considered Matt a favorite character in the books. But in the show, absolutely, right now, uh, I'd say Matt. I'd say number two would be Nynaeve. Number three would be Perrin. Number four would be Egwene. Number five would be Rand. I'm sorry, Ooh. Rand. I mean... I, I see the good in Rand. I understand he's he's not a bad guy at all, but yeah, he hasn't proved himself as quite as cool and easygoing and interesting as the rest of these characters. Nah, man, Rand sucks. Two thumbs down. <laughs> he was cool in the first episode, and this second one, he just falls flat nonstop. Eh. Like, I thought Matt was going to be what he is now. Right. Oh, yeah, um... Matt does sit and make a point at one point that uh, that I wrote down and just kind of blazed past it. When he and Perrin are talking, Matt says, uh, obviously none of this crap is my fault. And they kind of chuckle a little bit. And then, of course, we see what happens with the knife afterwards. Oh, yeah. 
so it kind of it i think the show is making you question like you know how much of this is matt's fault um it, it casts a little bit of shade on all these characters and i think they do a pretty good job of doing that and my guess is the the sword or dagger thing has to yeah. come back into play because sure. she says, hey, you've doomed us all. And she can't tell lies. She knows something's up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but maybe she was saying, hey, they're, they're dead in there. And if one of them's the dragon boy or girl, dragon mm-hmm. kid. Dragonoid. Dragonoid. (laughs) That's a phrase I've learned recently that I like to stick with is dragonoid. All right. Well, I think we've uh, we've plugged all our bands sufficiently. I sure hope I did. Please check the show notes and check out our our three bands today. We had Teg Band. We had Dead Panda. We had the White Batmobile. I'm going to get into our plugs. So I'm going to let you go first, James. What you got for us today? Well, hey guys, go over and listen to my podcast such as Mostly Speaking Sentai. Hit it and crit it. The D&D podcast is coming back. We recorded the first two episodes after a hiatus. We're finally able to get back into the same room together on a schedule. It's going to be every other week starting April 6th, I believe, is when the first episode is going to be back. We're continuing the Noctis Occulta story. It's a good one. I highly recommend That can be found wherever podcasts are found, or just go over to mlmpod.com for information on that. Then go over to patreon.com forward slash mlmpod to better support my efforts in continuing to do all of this stuff. And you get exclusive podcasts out of that. It's a good deal, guys. $5 a month. You get podcasts every single Friday and two years of back catalog. It's good. Heck yeah, it's good. I can vouch for that. But speaking of shuffling the deck, you had some comment you wanted to make about Fago. you said? Oh, yeah, because I was listening to shuffling the deck this week. I'm not done with it yet. I'm only about like 20 minutes in. I just realized yesterday that Fago is a non-alcoholic soda. I had no idea. I always assumed it was a malt liquor or assumed it was like a beer <laughs> no it's also a non besides moon mist non-caffeinated soda wow so it's like sprite basically like flavored yeah just sprite. In, yeah <laughs> that's so wholesome like i have like a such like a different image of icp thanks to you like <laughs> through every well, detail i hear that would also be very irresponsible and probably they wouldn't be able to do it. They spray Fago on crowds. Yeah, I know that's so their stick. So I yeah, thought that was like the deal is like, yeah, we're spraying y'all with malt liquor. We're badass. That's what I thought. That's what I always have thought. No, because <laughs> then all their shows would have to be 21 plus. See, I don't, I mean, I saw Gigi Allen when I was a little kid. So Wait, you <laughs> hold on, hold the fuck on. How you've listened to my shows. Yeah. How have you never brought this up, man? Because I was unimpressed. It was scary. I didn't like it. I didn't know who he was. Like, it was just frightening. I did not like it. He did not like himself. He didn't like the crowd. The crowd didn't seem to like him except for the crazies. I left early. It was weird. So you had the typical Gigi Allen experience. (laughs) I guess so. (laughs) So I, because... Muskegon was his like second home. The what my I hometown 
Yeah, so okay. there was this place called the Ice Pick. It was this hardcore punk rock venue, so much so that it became like notorious in the punk scene in like the late 80s, early 90s. And someone was, I forgot who it was, but was talking how they went to like someplace in Florida and these people were like, oh yeah, where are you from? It was for like a music event and he's like, oh, I'm from Muskegon. They're like, the ice pick? And he's like, what the (laughs) fuck do, why? So he was in bands with the owner of the ice pick and he would just sleep on the roof sometimes. That was his like home away from home, which is why he was in prison in Jacksonville, Michigan, because he hung out in Michigan a lot. Dang, okay. It's all coming around. Well, yeah, before I got to my plugs, I'll plug Gigi Allen. Check out his albums. Please don't, actually. I don't like him at all. <laughs> uh, Carnival of Excess, Brutality and Bloodshed for All, Doctrine of Mayhem, and <laughs> Dirty Love Songs are really good. And then, like, the three, mm. the EP the seven inch that he put out that has like hanging with Jim and suicidal motherfucker. That one's very, it's the best recorded. Oh, and uh, the anti scene murder junkies, that album, I highly recommend. I guess the only song that I'll be with you on is uh, don't talk to me. That's like one of my standard favorite songs ever. Yeah, I totally forgot. Was, is, and always shall be with the Jabbers. Very good album. Probably his only, like, marketable album. (laughs) Maybe that's why I like it. I'm a marketable fellow. (laughs) Well, my plug this week is, uh, I guess my best plug, the plug would be uh, my secondary band, Rebecca Crow. I do that with Heather, and we've been practicing a lot, and we're ready to put some stuff out. So please check us out on Instagram. Always check out Entrovoid on Instagram. I'll be doing some new stuff with those guys pretty soon. And you only asked me, I think, one or two questions. Did you have any more Wheel of Time questions, James, before we call it a week? Uh, I do not. I, I mainly just wanted to know, are, do we start where this starts in Wheel of Time? And if the like lore is more fleshed out of this city, because I was very interested in that. Cool. Yeah. Well, that leaves you one more question, and we'll just leave that hanging in the air like a pregnant pause. And everybody else in the Wheel of Time universe, I hope you all find water and shade. And James McCollum, may you always find water and shade. And may you always find water to shade as well. (laughs) Actually, we should be saying water in shade. (laughs) Bye-bye from us water heads and all our waters. No, water, man. Exactly, yes. No, (laughs) you keep saying water. (laughs) Water, like, you know, that guy. Land, exactly. Land, the the water, the water, water. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. (laughs) From me and James, goodbye from Sweet Child of Time. Bye.